Have you got your Bibles with you today? Well, let's open them to Psalm 145 once again. We're going to continue talking about the prophetic word that the Lord has given me for 2022. And let's go ahead and put it up on the screen, if we will, please. And let's all read it out loud together. 2022, the year of the opened hand of God. Unusual, extraordinary, and supernatural provision. And I think we ought to give the Lord a praise in advance for that. Amen. Praise God. Now, let me remind you before we read Psalm 145, just to reiterate some of the things we talked about last Sunday. The Hebrew letter representing the number 20 means an open hand. It also means giving freely. When you see the open hand of God, it represents he's ready and willing to give freely. It also represents provision. The open hand of God represents provision. And then in the Hebrew, the number 22 is symbolic of disorder and chaos. And so as I was praying about all this, the Lord said, you tell the people that in 2022, if they will not allow all the chaos and disorder to shake them, they will experience the open hand of God. Supernatural, unusual, and extraordinary provision, praise God. Amen. Now, Jesus said, when the disciples asked him about the end, one of the first things he said was, number one, don't be deceived. And then also he said, see that you be not troubled. He talked about all the chaos and all the disorder that would be at the end. And of course, this is not the end, but we are in the beginning stages of it, obviously. And notice that he said, see that you be not troubled. So that says to me that it is possible to live right in the middle of chaos and disorder and not be troubled by it. Now that means you're going to have to keep your focus on God and not on CNN. Amen. See that you be not troubled. How in the world could you not be troubled in a troubled world? Well, it has everything to do with what you're focusing on. Amen. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes in the Word. Praise God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you're listening to anything other than the Word of God, it's not likely faith will come. It's more likely that fear and worry and distress will come. So keep your eyes on God and keep your eyes on His Word. Can you say amen? amen. And then I learned also that many Hebrew scholars say that the number 20 also signifies expectancy. Expectancy. And what I hear the Lord saying in that is, expect to see the hand of God, even in the midst of disorder and chaos. Now, expectancy is very important because it's very closely associated to faith. Real Bible faith expects. If you're not expecting and yet you say, I'm exercising my faith in God, then that, that doesn't, that doesn't uh, balance out. Because real Bible faith expects. Jesus said, bid unto thee according to your faith. That, that would signify he's expecting you to expect something from him. Can you say amen? I don't ever say, I'm trusting God and then have my head down wringing my hands, and a sad look on my face. When I say I'm trusting God, I say it with a smile. Amen. Amen. And, and my smile is getting broader and bigger because he has never let me down for 52 years. Amen. So I think I'll just keep living by faith. In fact, that's the way the Bible says we should live. The just shall live by faith. So my question is, what are you expecting in 2022? You say, well, I'm expecting it to get worse. Well, it will get worse. But what are you expecting in the midst of it getting worse? That it affects you? That it stops you? That, that, that everything shuts down around you? 
No, that's not what I'm expecting. I'm, I'm expecting to go to another level. We've been breaking barriers since 2020, 2021, and I'm expecting us to break even more barriers in 2022. Hallelujah. I've got my eyes on him. I got a smile on my face. I got a dance in my step. I got a reason to get up every morning and praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody shout with me a little bit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's look at Psalm 145 and let's just uh, read verses 8 and 9 and then 14, 15, and 16. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. Verse 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all that be bowed down. And the eyes of all wait upon thee. Now that, that is a reference to expectancy. The eyes of all wait upon thee. We're expecting something from him. And thou givest them their meat in due season. Notice God responds to people that are expecting him to do something. They expect he giveth. They expect he giveth. They expect he giveth. Say it with me. I expect he giveth. I expect he giveth. Don't your neighbor say, you expect he giveth. Turn to your other neighbor. You expect and he giveth. That's just the way God is. Can you say amen? Now, dropping down to verse 16, thou openest thine hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. So notice when God opens his hand, get ready. Provision is on its way. I'll say it again. When God opens his hand, get ready. Provision is on his way, uh, on its way. But notice it happens for those whose eyes are up on him. In other words, it happens for people that are expecting it. Now, be careful what you expect because it's a proven fact. You get what you expect. Even psychologists tell us that. You get what you expect. Amen. I I have received everything I have expected. And I believe that I will receive everything that I expect from hereafter and here on. Amen. I can't think of anything that I've ever expected God to do that he hasn't done. And actually, better than I expected it. Because <laughs> he's the God that does exceeding, abundant, above all that we can ask or think. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Now, the Passion Translation says, when you open your hand, it's full of blessings. I love that. When God opens his hand, it's full of of blessings. And who do you suppose they belong to? You. Amen. You're the seed of Abraham. You're a child of the living God. That's part of your inheritance, praise God. God has his hand full of blessings and they belong to you. But are you expecting them? Can you say amen? Say full of blessings. Now, another translation says it this way. You uh, uh, alone provide, O Jehovah, and you do, you do it liberally with an open hand. You do it liberally with an open hand. One commentary says, the living God has suitable supplies at hand and those he gives until satisfaction is achieved. Hallelujah. So God wants you satisfied. I like this. I'm glad I came. I hope you like this, praise God. God will pour out until you are satisfied. Glory to God. I'm not real quick to say I'm satisfied. Uh, Just keep pouring. Amen. Just keep pouring. Hallelujah. All right, now listen to this. And we'll get on to some. I'm reiterating what we said last week, but we'll get on to something new here in just a moment. 
It went on to say in this commentary, if we will just wait on the Lord, our wait will not be in vain. Another translation says, the Lord opens his hand and gives bountifully all things to enjoy. Amen. God wants you enjoying being a Christian. (laughs) He doesn't want you suffering because you love him, you serve him. He doesn't want you being second-rate citizen because you're a Christian. He wants you enjoying life. Jesus said from the Amplified Bible, John 10, 10, I've come that they might have life to the full till it overflows and enjoy life. I'm enjoying life. I really am enjoying my life. Amen. And there's no word says you can only enjoy your life when you get to heaven. No, Jesus said, you know, in the model prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us living in earth like we're already in heaven. Hallelujah. I think I'm going to enjoy heaven. How about you? Well, if I'm, in, if I'm going to enjoy heaven, then why can't I enjoy life down here? Amen. Now, a lot of people never learned how to enjoy life. And the main reason is because they don't know the word. Thank you for your enthusiasm. They don't know the word. You know, I was like that before I surrendered my life to the Lord because I didn't know the truth about God. When I was a young boy, all I remember when I went to church, and I loved the pastor. He was a wonderful man. You know, he wasn't trying to deceive us. He just didn't know. Apparently, because he he, he didn't talk about it. I never never heard him. if If he preached on the blessings of Abraham or ours, I never heard it. Now, I will admit, I didn't pay attention much. <laughs> okay. But I don't ever remember him saying, the blessings of Abraham are ours. I don't remember people gathering up outside after church and saying, wasn't that a wonderful sermon? Did you know the blessings of Abraham are ours? But I did hear him say, there's none righteous, no, not one. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. I remember that. Now, why would I remember that? Because I heard it over and over and over. Amen. And it was, it was just a little country Baptist church. And his, our pastor's name was Jerry Smooker. And he had this real deep voice. And since my name was Jerry, when he, he, he'd come to our, he lived down the road from us. I used to go mow his lawn for him when I was a young boy. I loved Brother Smooker. And, and he knew everybody on our road. And he, you couldn't sneeze without Brother Smooker knocking on the door. Can I pray for you? He, he was a wonderful man. But he was just operating in the light that he had. The knowledge that he had. Now he was, he was a little bit disappointed when I started going to Carolyn's church. Now he lived right there next to her mom and dad. And he knew them well. Everybody knew Brother Smoker on our road. And, and he knew they were Pentecostal people. Okay. They spoke in tongues. And when he heard I was, when Carol and I started dating, I, was, I, was, I started going to her church. He said to me one day, now, he and I used the same barber. Everybody used Tommy Wilson. The barber, because he's in our neighborhood. And everybody that I knew used Tommy Wilson. And I went in to get a haircut one day, and Brother Smoker's sitting in the chair, and Tommy's cutting his hair. And Brother Smoker said, now jury, jury, it sounded like jury, now jury, the creatures are wonderful people, but you come on back where you belong. <laughs> You know, now, now they're wonderful people, but they're not like us. And you come on back where you belong. And then 
after I went into the ministry and he saw me on television. And this was just before he went home to be with the Lord. And, and we were in town. We were already here in Fort Worth. And we were in Shreveport. And, and I asked my father-in-law, does Tommy Wilson still have the barbershop? He said, oh, yeah, I still go there. I said, I'm going to go let Tommy cut my hair. See if he remembers me. So I walked in. Brother Smooker's in the chair. Now, there, there are a lot of, lot of other guys waiting to get a haircut. This is one of them old Tommy barbershops. Everybody had a crew cut. I almost walked out because I didn't have a crew cut and I thought I'd leave with one. But when I was young, that's, that's what I had, a crew cut. And when I walked in, Brother Smoker said, Now there's a man that I'm very proud of. I taught him everything he knows. <laughs> now, once again, my purpose telling that story is I never heard things like I preached to you today. And Brother Smoker, he was a wonderful man, but he's just walking in the light that he had. Okay. But uh, he didn't he didn't he didn't deliberately try to deceive us. You know, but I, I didn't hear things about God that attracted me to him. And and I certainly didn't know that God wanted me to enjoy life. That's the reason I've, I fought serving him. Now, I had experiences as a young boy with the Lord. I knew I was called to preach from a young boy. But what I was hearing about God did not attract me to him. I, I wanted, since I was not going to preach, I was running from that. Then my ambition was to own my own automotive business and follow in the footsteps of my dad. And I wanted to be successful at it. I think it's born in every human being to want to be successful at something. I believe God puts that desire in in a person. So I wanted to be successful at what I was doing. And I didn't see any way that that could happen, being a preacher. Because I'd heard, poor, humble preacher. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Lord, you keep him humble, we'll keep him broke. <laughs> Anybody ever heard those kind of things? Now, that, that, when I'd hear things like that, oh, I ran to the altar real quick and surrendered my life to God. No, I didn't. I turned the other way. Huh? But then when I got in the word for myself and found out I'd been lied to, <laughs> not deliberately necessarily, but, you know, because that's all they knew. Preaching some traditional doctrine, you know. But when I got in the Word myself, I mean, just Psalm 145 alone ought to change your attitude about God. Just that one chapter should change your attitude about God. Amen. And when I see He opens His hand, satisfies the desire of every living thing. When I see... Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I was always told God is not interested in your desires. He's not even interested in your wants. And he may or may not meet your needs. You never know what God will do. And doesn't that give you that warm feeling all over? No, but he opens his hand. And hand represents provision. And he, and, he, and he gives liberally. He's not a stingy God. He gives liberally. Can you say amen? amen. It says you, will, you, you alone will provide, O Jehovah. And you do it liberally with an open hand. The Lord opens his hand and gives bountifully all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. To enjoy. Praise God. Now, I would serve God if I didn't have a dime in my pocket. I would serve God if I didn't have a dime in the bank. I'd serve God if, if, if he never did another thing for me. I'd serve him for the rest of my life. 
but I know God. If you serve him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, there's no way that you will go without for the rest of your life. That's totally uh, contrary to the nature of God. Can you say amen? Let your neighbor say, that's good preaching. Why aren't you shouting? Huh? Totally contrary to the nature of God. And once again, and he satisfies everyone with favor, goodwill, and loving kindness. Another translation says, amen. Now go back to the Passion Translation. When you open your hand, it's full of blessings. Hallelujah. Now go with me to Psalm 104. Time to get in some new material. Psalm 104. And still all has to do with the prophetic word for 2022. Look at verse 27. Well, let me say this before we start reading it. If you read Psalm 104 at the beginning, down to the scriptures we're going to read, then what it's saying, the psalmist here is talking about how that God provides for all of his creatures and all his creation. He talks about how he provides for the fish in the sea, the animals on land. In other words, everything God has created, it is his intention to provide for it. Amen. I read one commentary and it says, even though they cannot invent anything for themselves, talking about the fish and the, and the animal kingdom, even though they cannot invent anything for themselves, but nonetheless, he comes prepared or it comes prepared for them that direct. I'm not reading this right. Hold on. They cannot invent anything for themselves. But nonetheless, it comes prepared for them directly from the hand of God. Yes. Hallelujah. The fish can't prepare for themselves, but it comes to them from the hand of God. The animal kingdom can't prepare, prepare for themselves, but it comes to them from the hand of God. Now, Jesus talked about this. In fact, hold your place there and let's go to Matthew real quick. Matthew chapter 6. Hold your place in Psalm 104. We'll come back to it. Matthew 6. Look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the, than the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. He's talking about God's creation. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet. Everybody say yet. Yes. In other words, he created them and his attitude is, I'll take care of them. Well, the Apostle Paul says that we are new creations. We've been born again. Amen. God was responsible for that. When you did what it said to do, confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, believe that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You were recreated by God. Amen. Uh, uh, the little Greek says, you are now a new species of being that never existed before. Amen. I'm not the same Jerry Savelle pre-February 1969. That man died. You're looking at a new creation. And I might add, created in the image of God. That means he's five foot seven and a half. He weighs 149 pounds. And he's good looking. <laughs> Just my own revelation there, okay? Okay. And he's left-handed. Now, I know he's left-handed. How you know that, Brother Jerry? Because he put Jesus on the right hand where he wouldn't get in the way. 
That's my own revelation too. (laughs) When we get to heaven, if God seriously is left-handed, you come and apologize to me. (laughs) That you didn't believe me. All right, now listen. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. This is what Psalm 104 is talking about. God provides for everything he creates. Whether it's fish, whether it's animals, whether it's birds. God provides for everything he creates. If that is true, then why wouldn't he provide for man since man is his most prized creation? Can you say amen? Now, if we keep reading, are ye not much better than they? In other words, he's implying if God takes care of birds, why wouldn't he take care of you? Aren't you much better than they? Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, every once in a while down at our river house, uh, we'll, we'll, we got some wildlife down there, you know. Uh, armadillos show up. Uh, raccoon. Uh, I even saw a fox. In fact, I saw a whole family of fox out in my backyard. And... Uh, and I noticed they're scratching around out there and looking. And that old, that old armadillo, he wakes me up at night. Digging around in the flower bed right behind my bedroom window. Now I can hear him. I'm going to get that sucker. <laughs> and... And one day I went outside and he's just laying on his back like this. I thought, what in the world happened to him? I told him I was going to get him, but it wasn't me. Some other animal got him. And I applauded them. Amen. And I just took my shovel and threw him off in the woods, you know. If God will take care of the animal kingdom, then why wouldn't he take care of his most prized possession? Put your hand right here like this and say, did you know know, I am God's most prized possession? possession. Hallelujah. Now that ought to give you that real warm feeling. Amen. Praise God. So with that in mind, let's go back to Psalm 104. Verse 27, these, speaking of all of those that he's created, animal kingdom, fish, birds, these wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them, that thou givest them, they gather, thou openest thine hand, They are filled with good. They are filled with good. Now, another translation says, they are supplied to satisfaction. They are supplied to satisfaction. Or you could say, they are well taken care of. And we're still talking about the the birds, the fish, the animal kingdom, are you not much better than they? They are well taken care of. They are supplied to satisfaction. Amen? So if he takes care of them, then why wouldn't he take care of you? Amen? He will satisfy you with what you need. Another commentary says, he will provide plenty. Plenty. Everybody say plenty. Not just enough. Plenty. The God I serve is the God of more than enough. Hallelujah. 
Another commentary says, now listen to this. There's a shadow here. That's the reason I have to keep moving around. And it's my shadow that's blocking my view. (laughs) He opens his hand. Even, listen to this. He opens his hand even in a time of scarcity. And causes his own to have a time of plenty. I could have been a lawyer. I rest my case. Listen to that. This is from a commentary. He opens his hand even in a time of scarcity and causes his own to have a time of plenty. Well, that's what we've been talking about. 2022, it's likely that there'll be more disorder and more chaos. But for those who will not be shaken by it, they will experience the open hand of God and in a time of scarcity, they will be enjoying a time of plenty. Let's give the Lord a good shout, praise God. Now, is that going to happen to everybody in the body of Christ, Brother Jerry? No. God wants it to happen to everybody in the body of Christ. But we have something we must do. Expect it. The eyes of all are upon thee, and thou givest. Amen. Expect it. If you're not expecting it, then it's not likely to happen. Now, if you're expecting the wrong things, that's what will probably happen to you. Because it's a proven fact. You get what you expect. Can you say amen? Uh, I'm going to do a sermon here soon. I've already got the title. Maybe you need an attitude change. Amen. Maybe you need an attitude change. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, speaking of God, He giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Gives us richly all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. To enjoy. Praise God. He he gave me my home to enjoy. He gave me my automobile to enjoy. Everything I have has a testimony. Everything. Everything in our house has a testimony. Uh, I was was showing Ronnie Caldwell, uh, Happy's genie's son, just took him briefly into my... He said, I want to see your museum. I took him in there. And, and showed him just briefly. I didn't have time to give the $10 tour. <laughs> but uh, just briefly. And I said, Ronnie, everything in here has a testimony. It has a favor story behind it. Yes. Everything. And he gave it to me to enjoy. Yes. And I really enjoy talking about it to people who enjoy it. Yes. Amen. That, 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 that don't get jealous. Don't get upset. Well, why did God give him that? And I don't have it. Well, I can tell you what. Probably had something to do with that attitude. Maybe you need an attitude change. <laughs> huh? that, that 50s diner up on the second floor. I've dreamed of building that for years. Because I'm a product of the 50s. I like diners. I like hamburgers and I like malts. Yeah. Carol and I used to go to the Dairy Queen and my 57 Chevrolet and have malts and hamburgers and shakes and uh, cherry Cokes. Yeah, hallelujah. So I still have a 57 Chevy and I have a diner and I got a lovely girl to share it with. Hallelujah. I tell her all the time, after all these years, you're still my girlfriend. (laughs) Amen. God wants you to enjoy life. Well, if he's going through what I'm going through, how do you know I hadn't been through it? We didn't start out with where we are now. Where were you when I was first moved to Fort Worth and would go hunt 
down the road Coke bottles to sell so my babies would have milk. Oh, nobody tells that. Ah, Jerry Savelli just talks about, shut thy mouth. <laughs> Where were you when, when we didn't have gas for the car? Where were you when we didn't have money for diapers for the babies? Where were you when we didn't have food on the table? Where were you when we didn't have a table to put food on if we'd had food? We moved to Fort Worth with nothing. A lot of it bounced out of the trailer on Interstate 20. And I was so ashamed I just left it. I didn't even go get it. Because it's just junk. We got to Fort Worth and didn't have a refrigerator, didn't have a dining room table, nothing. And A.W. Copeland, Brother Copeland's dad, went down to a, a, a used furniture store and bought us a, a, a table and chairs and, and a family from Grace Temple, Harold Nichols Church, came over because we lived not too far from them. They came to welcome us. They saw we didn't have anything. And they went back and got the refrigerator out of their camping trailer. It's about this big. So we'd have a refrigerator. And I got a, I got a, a it was actually a bumper sticker that Oral Roberts was giving to everybody that would write to his ministry. And it said, expect a miracle. I didn't put it on my bumper. I put it on that refrigerator. <laughs> so every time you, every time you went to the refrigerator, you said, whoa, Shandai, whoa, Lord. I'm expecting a miracle. Brother Copeland came because I would come to go to work with Brother Copeland. And I'm leaving the next day. We had time just to set this up and leave the next day. And I'm going to be gone three weeks. And I left Carolyn and the babies with $3. That's all I had. And she went to Grace Temple and gave it in the offering. If it doesn't meet your need, make it seed. Amen. And Brother Copeland come over. And uh, I said, Brother Copeland, you like some meat. What you got? Bologna. <laughs> yeah, give me a piece of bologna. He ate two or three pieces of bologna. Then her aunt and uncle came a little later after I got back in town, and we didn't have anything. And and Stanley and I, her uncle, we loved ice cream. We had ice cream eating contest. <laughs> and I was little, but boy, I could eat. And I, I never gained an ounce back then, you know. And uh, Stanley went and bought two half gallons of ice cream. And then we remember when we got it home, we don't have a freezer. <laughs> so we had to eat it all. <laughs> oh, happy day. <laughs> so don't tell me I hadn't been there. I had been there. And what I did while I was there is what got me where I am today. Praise God. Amen. I didn't, I didn't blame God. I didn't get mad at God. I didn't quit. We just stuck with it. Stuck with it. We, we read that all these blessings will come on thee and overtake thee. And nowhere in there did it say, you know... If you're, if you're already wealthy or if you're already well off, no. It was my promise from God when I didn't have a dime. And I believed him, praise God. And I expected it. And God never let us down. Hallelujah. I wouldn't take anything for those days, but I'm sure glad they're over. Hallelujah. And that's the reason why I can be generous to people today who are in those kind of days. One of my favorite things to do is buy people's meals in restaurants. Because I remember when we couldn't go to the restaurant. We'd come over here to hear Brother Copeland at Grace Temple. Didn't have a dime. Had enough money put in the car. And Carolyn made peanut butter crackers. And we got over here at Grace Temple. And in between services, people going to the restaurant and having dinner and lunch. We sat in the car in the church parking lot eating our peanut butter crackers. And it wasn't all that bad because when the next service started, you got the best seats because we already there. Praise God. 
And then Brother Copeland said, why don't you and Carolyn go to lunch with us? Well, he didn't say he's buying, so I don't know if I'm supposed to go or not. Because if he said, and you're buying, I was hesitant to, to answer. And we didn't tell him we didn't have any money for lunch. He said, won't you and, you and Carolyn go to lunch with Glory and I? He said, and I'm buying. I said, that's God. Let's go. <laughs> We went to El Chico's on Berry Street. How many of you remember El Chico's on Berry Street? He's the best Mexican meal I'd ever had because he buying. <laughs> Amen. But now, but now, and but God. One of my favorite things to do is bless people. And, the, and many times do it and don't even tell them and just walk out and tell the waitress it's been taken care of. Amen. Because I've been there. I know what it's like. Hallelujah. But God has proven that when he opens his hand, he gives liberally. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Amen. Now, the message translation says, he piles on all the riches you could ever imagine. Imagine. I'm sorry, I've got to get out of this shadow. He pours on all the riches we could ever manage. How much can you manage? The Passion Translation says, He lavishes upon us all good things, fulfilling every need. Lavishes. Our God is a lavish God. Now, Back to Psalm 145, the Passion Translation says, speaking of of God, in verse 8, You're kind and tender-hearted to those who don't deserve it and uh, and very patient with people who fail you. That's why it says... He's compassionate. He's of tender mercies. God will bless you even when you don't deserve it. God will bless you even when you fail Him. But don't expect that to continue by... If you continually disappoint Him and fail Him. You know, there's times when with your own children, you overlook... But then you say, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you this time. I'm going to bless you this time. But I expect you to correct what you're doing wrong here. Amen. My dad used to tell me, son, if I catch you drag racing in the street, then that 57 Chevrolet, I'm going to take the keys away from you. You have to ride that stupid school bus. Well, I didn't think dad would find out. And I raised everything that moved. And we had our own drag strip down in the 70th Street. Started at the railroad track and came all the way back. We marked off a quarter of a mile. Painted red on the highway, on the road. And people standing on either side with flashlights when we went by to let us know we'd gone a quarter of a mile. (laughs) And I'd come home. Dad'd still be up, sitting in the den, and I'm headed for my bedroom. Did you beat that 62 Impala? I said, what's 62 Impala? That white one with a red interior, license plate number. Dad, how do you know all this? I said, he said, son, I work on every cop's car in this town. They call me and say, Jerry's racing again. No, oh, man, get the keys out and throw them to him, go to my bedroom. I got to ride that dumb bus in the morning. And I got the hottest 57 Chevrolet in town. I get in bed and the light comes on. My dad come in and say, Thank a run, water boy. Throw me the keys back. <laughs> Don't ever do it again. <laughs> it's just more fun in the street. 
dad raised legally. I liked it in the street. <laughs> my dad went home to be with the Lord. I had a 57 Chevrolet and I had a 56 Chevrolet like the one he gave me in my first car. And I put them both outside this doors here. People had to walk in when they came to honor my dad when he went home to be with the Lord. And the last thing I did at the end of the ceremony, this casket was right here, open casket. I walked over put my keys to my 57 Chevrolet in his hand. I said, Dad, hold them. I'll get them when I join you in heaven. (laughs) Amen. But Dad's punishment was about 15 minutes. Now, Mom, that's another story. (laughs) Mama, uh, she'd tell Dad what I did wrong. When your daddy gets home. Anybody ever heard that? When your daddy gets home. Carolyn used to do that with the girls. I'd come home. When your daddy gets home. And she'd tell me what they did. I said, come on, girls. Let's go to the bedroom. Go pick out a belt. (laughs) And they'd pick out the cloth belt. I mean, it wouldn't wouldn't kill a fly. (laughs) I'd say, now, bend over on the bed and holler like you're being beaten. So your mother will hear it. Oh, oh, it it didn't, it didn't, it wouldn't hurt a fly. I say, now don't ever do that again. And I'd walk out, I said, it's taken care of. (laughs) Come on, how many of you daddies did the same thing? Amen. But I did expect them to change. I did expect them to grow up. And God expects the same with us. Can you say amen? amen? All right, now, let's go look at an example in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. You're all familiar with this story, I'm sure. Of God taking care of his own in difficult times. Now, this is the story of Elijah, and it actually takes place during a drought. And yet, during a drought, Elijah experiences God's provision time and time again. I wrote in my notes, it was a crucial time in history of Judah, or in the history of Judah and Israel. It looked as though the worship of the true God might be completely eliminated. I think it's interesting that the name Elijah means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. And he was about to show the people not only that God was his God or that Yahweh was his God, but also that he could provide no matter what the conditions were. Amen. Throughout this story, you see God providing again and again. Now, let's start with verse 1, and let's just look at the latter part of it. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So there's a drought, and notice it's going to last years A drought would indicate difficult times, okay? And then it says in verse 6 that earlier in the chapter, it says that God told him to go to the brook Cherith. And in verse 6, it says that uh, God had promised to sustain him. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And notice how God is supplying. God is providing for him even in difficult times. And notice God is capable of doing it supernaturally. It wasn't people bringing Elijah bread and flesh. It was ravens. God could talk to ravens. And tell them to bring my prophet food 
in the morning and food in the evening. And did you notice the birds don't argue with God? They didn't stand up and say, we did it yesterday. Get, get the squirrel to do it. Amen. <laughs> it's, only, it's only people that argue with God. Look, your neighbor says, I think he was talking to you, not me. <laughs> and so they did that up until the time that the brook dried up. But notice how God was a step ahead. When the brook dried up, verse 8, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have, that's past tense, I have commanded a widow woman to sustain thee. So God was already a step ahead of the brook drying up. I have. He'd already told this widow woman. Now that's an interesting statement because Traditionally and historically, widow women don't have enough for themselves, much less somebody else. And what is God doing? He's proving, I can take care of you even when the natural circumstances don't indicate it. And he went to a widow woman. And said to Elijah, I have commanded her to sustain thee. Now, when he got to the widow woman's house, without taking the time to read all this, when he got to the widow woman, he found her gathering sticks. And she said to him, I'm gathering sticks that I might make a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and die. Now, wouldn't you think when you heard that, we're going to eat it and die, but God told me, you were going to sustain me? That must not have been God. It must have been something them birds brought me. <laughs> Didn't sit well on my stomach. No, he said, go and do what you have said, but make me a little cake first. If CNN would have been there, prophet takes what a woman's last meal. <laughs> Stands and watch her and her son die. And then moves on to the next city so he can do the same thing. I was, I, I, I used to uh, be more involved when Ronald Reagan was president. And I got to serve on a senatorial committee. And I was invited to come to Washington quite often during both of his terms. And uh, I, I befriended a an attorney from D.C. that served on that same committee. So we'd always planned to meet each other when we got there, and we'd sit with each other and uh, stayed in the same hotel and rode over together and everything. And uh, one night, they had a special banquet for Mr. Reagan, President Reagan. And everybody that was on that committee, we sat at round tables, and they would put a senator at the table with us so that we could get acquainted with some of the senators there. And this one time, Senator Phil Graham from Texas, remember Phil Graham? He was the one sitting at our table. And Senator Graham said, uh, everybody uh, start with you to my right. Tell me your name, where you're from and what you do. And so it started out with everybody at our table. My uh, attorney friend was sitting next to me and he told him he was an attorney in D.C. and so forth, what his name was. Then he got to me. And who are you? I said, I'm Jerry Savelle. I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. He said, oh, Texas. And he said, glad to see another Texan. He said, what do you do, Jerry? I said, I'm a minister. I'm a minister. I travel all over the world preaching the gospel. His next, next thing that came out of his mouth was this. Why do you preachers always ask for money? And all the eyes were focused upon me. I thought that was, that was a terrible thing to say. Why are you preachers always asking for money? Well, the boldness of the Lord. I think, I think a Holy Ghost 
righteous indignation rose up in me. I said, Senator, you're one to talk. I get more letters from the Republican Party asking for money than any preacher I know. He got up, he got up and walked out and never came back. And my attorney friend said, you got him, didn't you? (laughs) His exact words were, why are you preachers always begging for money? And that's when I told him, you're one to talk. I get get more left, and I still do, from the Republican Party, because I'm a Republican. You give to one of them, dear God's like vultures. Amen. They swoop down. Dear Lord, I wake up in the morning, I got 47 messages, and 29 of them are for Republican senators. Jerry, we're desperate. When have you ever heard me, and many of you have been members of this church for a long time, when have you ever heard me stand up and say, people, we're desperate? Never. Never will. Why? Because I'm experiencing the open hand of God. Hallelujah. He's my provider. Glory to God. So you, you read this story and you'll see, my goodness, I just made my hand bleed. I hit the corner of that thing. Uh, throughout this story, you see God providing again and again for those who will not be shaken by what's going on around them in the world that we live. You got that for me? Thank you, sir. I don't want to get this on my jacket. Hallelujah. I guess that goes to show you shouldn't talk about the Republican Party. (laughs) It's a good thing I didn't say anything about the Democrats. I'd have lost my hand. Anybody got a band-aid? I don't want to hold this thing on me all day. For those who will not be shaken by what's going on in the world around them, God will open his hand and provide. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Now listen to this statement. It's not an original statement from me. But I read it one time. Faith in God doesn't necessarily make things easier. It makes things possible. Thank you, firstborn. Uh, Jerry, you missed the mark. There There you go. Hallelujah. I knew you had it in you. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Oh, I know you didn't have your glasses on. I'll just pick on her a little bit because I don't have to wear glasses and I'm 75. (laughs) All right, let me say that again. Faith in God doesn't necessarily make things easier. It makes things possible. It makes things possible. Now, Isaiah Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Notice every time God mentions his hand, he's talking provision. He's talking taking care of his own. The message translation says, don't panic. I put that in capitals. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear, for I'm your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady and keep a firm grip on you. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, 
neither be dismayed. And the message translation says, he won't let you down. He won't leave you. Don't be intimidated and don't worry. I'm going to read that one again. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Don't be intimidated. Don't worry. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then the Passion Translation says, Don't yield to fear. That's good advice. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Can you say amen? amen? Now, folks, I'll close it with this. I haven't read one scripture from First Jerry. I'm reading from the Bible. I've, I've given you my opinion. I've given you my commentary. And I've given you my testimony. But I'm not the one who wrote these things. God did. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Amen. I just happen to believe it. And I just happen to act on it. And God just happens to honor it. Hallelujah. Give him your best shout. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord.